Now we take a break this week from our topic, our study of Samuel. We are going to talk about truly truthful because this was the topic for the Holiday Bible Program. Now the adults must learn and learn more about this topic compared to the young ones in church. Parents, you must yourself be examples of people who are truly truthful. Your children have learned about it. So for the young ones, this is, this is more than revision, all right? Pay attention. Remind yourself what God has taught you so that you will keep walking in the right path. So this is why we have chosen this topic for this Sunday and God willing, also for next Sunday, all right? So it's a very condensed form of what the children have learned. learned. Now let us turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now here, we know the story very well. David has just committed adultery. And now, you will see a side of David which is very sad. We've been learning about David, how he is a man after God's own heart. But you will also see an aspect that makes us very frightened. Because even a man after God's own heart can exhibit this kind of behaviors in order to cover up his adultery with Bathsheba. Now, David now would enter into a mode of deceptiveness. David became what he was not naturally that we've seen so far. What was the problem? He had sinned and, well, he resorted to being false in order to, well, I say cover up and to avoid consequences. So Christian, this sin of not being a truthful person, he became a very wily, right, um, fake, deceptive person here in just these few verses. Now we want to learn this week. We want to learn about, now is it so terrible? Why is it so important to choose this topic truly truthful, all right, for the children to learn and for us today. Why is being truly truthful so crucial? Then we want to learn what are some of, the, some of the characteristics of someone from this passage who is not truly truthful, right? Now, why is it so important, first and foremost? Because think about this. Being false, lying, all right, being deceptive is something that happens all the time. Almost every moment of the day in your school, at the place of work, at home, now I hope not in church, but what I'm saying is being deceptive is such a common thing. Now it is to a point where it is, it is something that people encourage. People don't even blink an eye. People even expect that people would be deceptive to one another. 
Now, to the point where it is encouraged. Encouraged. I read to you um, an email um, sent to a church, a church couple, and they shared it with me to say, Pastor, this is what it has become, all right, on parenting, all right? So they say, well, congratulations, right? Another month has passed, and it's exciting to see your child growing and growing better at certain skills, all right? This is interesting. So then the couple read further. They say, at this age, well, your child is, yet, is not yet equipped to tolerate emotional pain or to handle things when he realizes, well, he has done something wrong. So your child is at an age where they can't handle these things, all right? I said, but don't be surprised if he resorts to lying. So they're telling parents, well, parents, don't be shocked when your child starts to tell lies. And don't be worried. Now they say this. This is not an intentional malicious act, all right? It's just sometimes, well, he may not remember that he really did something. Well, that's understandable. So he may not be well, lying. But, you know, he may actually feel that, well, I've done something wrong. And in order to mask it, all right, he begins to create his own reality. He creates his own reality. No, I didn't do it. No, that did not happen. No, I didn't say that, all right? Because they, they feel that if well, I've done something wrong, it's, it's something I, uncomfortable. So they invent their own reality and they move into their real, own reality and they begin to behave in that, their own reality. Now, but this is the scary part. The next statement is this. When they say, don't be surprised that your child lies. They say, well, this is actually a good sign. That is what it says. Parent, don't worry, it's a good sign. Now, is it a good sign? Lying is considered to be an important cognitive milestone in a children's life, in a child's life. So lying is a very important stage that they must go through, and when, they, when it happens, it's a milestone, all right? It means it's a significant time, it's a, and it's a good significant time. And it's a cognitive milestone. It means there's something in them that is happening, and now they're beginning to explore that area. And then they say this. So they say, besides a good thing, now they say, why? Because research, uh, research, have shown that children who bend the truth, they don't even say lie anymore. It is not outright lie. Who are able to bend the truth means tell half lies, make truths look like, make lies look like truth. All right? When they begin to bend the truth, now they have a cognitive advantage over others. So, so you see your children lie, you must be very happy because now they are, they, they are actually exhibiting uh, cognitive means, something they're not, maybe not fully conscious of, but it's something that they naturally do, and now they're beginning to do it. And when they do it, and the earlier they do it and the better they do it, it says, well, they have an advantage, an advantage over others. Parents, how do you feel? Wow, this sounds logical. This sounds exciting. How do you feel? What? Now, then it says, it explains this. The research says, since lying, lying requires them to understand what, what's in the other person's mind. You see, when a person lies, when a child lies, you should be very happy. It's beginning to be cognitive. Daddy and mommy don't like me to say this. They are beginning to develop that ability to sense what others like or don't like. They are able to begin to sense what 
people like to hear or don't like to hear so that they themselves, in lying, bending the truth, well, can get away with something or can achieve something. Now then further, it, says it requires the ability. Uh, this is the part that is furthermore blind, uh, mind-blowing. All right? Because when your child exhibits this behavior of lying, they say, do you know it's not so easy to lie? It requires the ability to plan. Before you talk to your child, daddy, mom is coming, now I got to plan. You see, the fact that they can lie is that you show, they show that they can plan already. Starting to plan, wow. And not only that, they not only can plan, they can control unwanted actions. See, now your child can begin to control. I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to be um, chastised. I don't want to be in trouble. Now let me know, I, and now I know to control unwanted actions towards me. And finally, finally, they say, children who lie, well, or who inhibit the urge to tell the truth, they are demonstrating the ability to control, that they have control over their executive function. So children who lie now shows that they have control and demonstrate that they have control over their executive function. Executive function means the function in man that helps, that makes you execute something, right? So then they're not, no, no longer like you put the spoon, they don't know how to put it in their mouth. Now they know how to do it. But in the lying realm, now they, I want this action, I want this outcome. I know how to execute planning, speech, actions. I control over that now to achieve my end using lying. Now, this is what are sent out to parents and people, and some parents may, well, just swallow it. Wow, this is great. Daddy, do you know that when our child does that, this is a good thing. It has, our child has a cognitive advantage now. Now, this is the world today. Now, one of the reasons why we chose the topic for Holiday Bible Program is because we know your children in school are exposed to other children who will lie without blinking their eyes because they're unbelievers. And sadly, even believers today, they just do that. Your children may grow up to be truly untruthful people because they're used to it. It's common. And parents yourself as adults, and this is the message for you, you may find that lying and cheating and bending the truth, half-truths, is so common, it's the only way to get ahead in life, to avoid trouble. And since everybody is doing it in the university, cheating in projects, homework, at workplace, all right? It is something that is, well, not serious, not serious anymore. Even if I did it as a Christian, what's the big deal? Everybody does it. Now, Christian, first and foremost, why must I be truly truthful? Why? Now, David, we saw, exhibited all the behaviors of deception. We read in our um, scripture reading. All the behaviors of not being truly truthful. All right? Everything that he did and said was not true. All right? Now, we may say, well... He got away, achieved what he wanted. Now, Christians, why must we truly truthful? Because, well, first and foremost, God hates deceptiveness. God hates it. 
hates it. Now, you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. That was the New Testament church, the inauguration of the New Testament church, the start of the New Testament church. And we always know this. Just like in the Old Testament, in the inauguration of the temple, God made very clear to men, to his people, his standards and his expectations. In the Old Testament, well, the priests, they were irreverent, all right? And God struck them dead, all right? Turned into dust, ashes, burnt them instantly, instantly to set the standard. God, this is my standard. This is who I am. Don't be irreverent. Ananias and Sapphira's case in the New Testament was also God setting the standard. They sold their property and they brought the money to the church leaders and the husband said, well, this is, this are, this is for the church. Well, acting as if, giving the impression, this is everything, right? I sold for this amount, I gave everything. Well, the Holy Spirit gave Peter the, the discernment and said, really? Is this really everything? Yes, everything. Immediately, the husband was struck dead. All right? Carried out for burial. The wife came along, also trying to, well, give the impression they are so generous, so sacrificial. Same thing happened. Peter asked, is this really the amount? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not truthful. They say, well, the people, the, the sound of the shoes of the people who just buried your husband, now you hear it. And she was also struck dead by the Holy Ghost. Why did God do that? God did that to show this is my standard of holiness. And I hate lying. I hate, I detest a lying tongue. That is who I am. And you must know that. Just because the world does it so commonly in school at work today, and they do it without blinking an eye, and, it's, and even when people know that they're lying, they don't care and you, you just... You just go through it like normal. Doesn't mean that God doesn't hate lying today. Then you ask, well, why, why is it that today I lie? Young ones, teens, even adults. You lie. You lie to daddy and mommy. You lie to your colleagues, your bosses. You lie in church to the pastor, to your, to your Christian friends. You lie. See, nothing happened. Well, when God set that standard in the Old Testament and set the, new, the standard in the New Testament at the inauguration to let them know this is how in the New Testament church needs to be. Christians needs to be. And then now it is the duty of the church in the Old Testament, the priesthood, to execute God's consequences. That is why today when, well, there is lying, the church have to deal with it, all right? When there's deceptiveness, the church has to deal with it because God shows us He hates it. And God is merciful. You rather wait till God deal with you? Ah, teens. This is where I want you to pay attention. When you think that you've lied so many times and you get away with it, no consequences, right? God don't seem to take it that seriously. Pastor is exaggerating. And then you find that you... 
from a young age, as you grow through teenage life and through young adult, you just keep lying and nothing happens. Well, don't be foolish. You know the saddest thing and the most painful thing and the scariest thing is this. When God decides not to intervene anymore and let the consequences of sin take over you. That is the scariest thing. You know, children, when your daddy and mommy always stop you from doing things, scold you, chastise you, warn you, restrain you, you should be very thankful. But when they say, I think it is time with this rebellious child to let this rebellious child learn the hard way. Do you know that when daddy and mommy stops doing that, it is the scariest thing? And adults, do you realize, or young, young or teen, do you realize when you find that there are no consequences, no consequences? The consequences of God intervening is far better than when God let the consequences of your sin to snowball until eventually you'll be exposed and you will suffer far worse. So Christian young person, do not take this lightly. Think of Ananias and Sapphira. That is how God hates sin. Then make sure you don't think, I've been getting away with it. It's okay. And you continue to do it. I've seen young people, well, being deceptive people, even adults, go on and on and on. It's just a matter of time. It's better if God stop you, chastise you, and you wake up, then the world exposes you. Right? Naturally, it will happen. Now, here, God will expose David, just like God exposed Ananias and Sapphira. He will be exposed one day. Don't think that you can keep getting away with it. Now, but I ask you this. All right, I better stop lying. I better stop being um, untruthful because there are consequences. Is it just because of consequences that you should stop? A Christian should not live like that. You only, only repent and obey because there are consequences. Don't be such a Christian. Don't be such a child to your parent. Only if daddy and mommy chastises me, then I will obey. If not, I will disobey them. I will break their heart. I will grieve them. I will disappoint them. Don't be such a child. Likewise to God. Don't just think of the consequences. Now, the fact that God hates lie because it is against his character. God is truth. We memorize what is God. God is infinite, right? One of the attributes is infinite in his truth. In his truth. That is the character of God. You are a child of God. I don't want to be someone who is untruthful, deceptive, because my father is not like that. Now let's turn to John 8.44, please. John 8.44. It's not just consequences. John 8.44. We must first and foremost be driven by this. John 8.44. Now here God's word says, Ye are of your father the devil. Alright? So God uses the word father 
and the devil. Lord, the lust of your father, you will do. What he loves to do, you will do. He's talking to these unbelievers. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Now, why was he a murderer? Because of what he did in the Garden of Eden, we are all sinners. We are dead. That's why he's the first murderer, not Cain. God says, Satan is the first murderer. Because of him, we are all dead. He caused mankind to be dead. And abode not in the truth. He's someone, well, how did he cause men to die? Because he used deception. He abode not in the truth. He will not stay in truth. All right? He's, he will keep staying in falsehood. There is no truth in him. When ye speak a lie, ah, this is where we must realize. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own will. He is a liar and the father of it. He used the word father again. The very first lie was told by Satan to Adam and Eve. And he said, the unbelievers, their father is the devil. They behave like that. Christian, you are saved by the living God. He made himself your father. He made, he cleansed, he cleaned you up, right? No longer should we behave like children of the devil. When we tell lies, God says, you yeah, of your father, the devil. You want to go back to own Satan as your father again? Do you want to do that? It is not just about consequences. The child of God must have such a great love for the father. Say, I don't lie. I don't want to be an untruthful person. We'll see more of what it is soon. I don't want to be an untruthful person simply because my father is not like that. Now, in Ephesians, when God says, put on the new man, after you are saved, put on the new man, Ephesians 4. And in verse 25, God says, wherefore, one of the things about after being saved, in putting on the new man, God puts it here, very specific of all the sins. He says, wherefore, put away lying. Put away lying. That is one of the things that God hates. And He says, put it away after salvation. Throw it away. Like a dirty rag, you can't wait to pull it off your back and throw it away. You imagine wearing something that is dragged through smelly, dirty things, all right? And, it is, and, you, and you're wearing it. You can't wait to throw it away. That is how you and I should feel about being untruthful and speak, and every, and speak every man truth with his neighbor. And then God says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, Ye are all, all the children of light. The children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. So Christian, we first and foremost must realize, if I am a Christian, the world must see the light. The world must see. Whether I'm an elderly person, you know sometimes when we're older, I think you don't have to be so pedantic, don't have to be so, you know, cut corners and pretend this. You know, we've done it all our life, that's the way it is. It's no big deal, uh. We shouldn't have that attitude as long as you take on the name of Christ. Young person, God says, have nothing to do with this characteristic. In other words, at your place of work in your school, no one should ever think of you as someone that is untruthful. You know, I thank God for a testimony of a colleague. I don't know him very well. He, 
um, was from another country. And then, well, there were some things that happened, and I don't know what really happened, but all the employees in the department said this of him. And he, he apparently was a Christian. The employees said, when we think of this manager, we only think of him as someone is impossible for him to deceive. It's impossible for him to be untruthful. It's unthinkable that, he, that he's kind of person that will even consider being deceptive. That is what his employees think of him. What do your colleagues think of you? What do your friends in school think of you? Is that the light that they see because you're Christian? Or are you just avoiding lies and truthfulness because of consequences? You know the danger of that? If you feel that you can get away with deceiving daddy and mommy, you, think you can get away with deceiving people at the place of work because you are driven by consequences. Then as long as no one can find out, I know when I do this, no one will ever know or find out. You know the danger of that? When you're alone, when, you, when there are no consequences, you think, you will just do it because you're driven by consequences. But when you're driven by, I am a child of God, I will never ever want people to ever think that Christians who reflect God, who represent God, do not have this character of His that is truly truthful. God is infinitely truthful. Right? So, Christian, we must be driven by that. Now, not only that, um, the Word of God says in Psalm 24, verse 4, he that, hath, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sown deceitfully, who shall ascend to the presence of God to serve him? He's talking about serving God. Who? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, now, nor sown deceitfully. One of the requirements that God put for anyone who says, I love God, I want to serve Him, whether in the full-time ministry God has called you into it, or whether it is a lay person who knows I'm saved and I must serve God, I want to serve God, now, one of the requirements God says is you have not sworn deceitfully. That even under oath, that you will get in trouble, all right, if you don't lie, you will still speak the truth to your own detriment. God says it is this kind of people, young person. Maybe at this point I say this. This is the reason why, one of the key reasons that drove me as I prayed and I sought the Lord's will, what topic to choose for holiday Bible program. We keep talking about bringing up godly seed. We keep talking about the future generation. We keep praying for a church that will be faithful to God, that will serve God, that will be after God's own heart. Church is made out of people. What will the next generation be? Will there be people in the next generation? And this is for you, young ones. This is for you, um, young adults, will you be that generation that God says, I will use you when the time comes? Or will God say, sadly, sadly, this person has become like the world, right? But sadly, I will not use. Look, another one I can't use. Another one I cannot use. Another one I cannot use. Another one I cannot use. Then the church will be 
a very weak place. This topic was chosen because we keep talking about bringing up the next generation. They can have all the Word of God, defend the doctrines, good at it. But God says, the one that approaches me, that are allowed to approach me, that I will use his hands, his lips, his mind, is one who, have, who is not deceitful. He is someone that is so truthful, honest. That is the person I'll use. So parents, you say you want to bring up godly seed? Now you show the example first because your children learn from you. Remember the previous family seminar? I showed you from scriptures. Family after family after family. Your children, the children learning from the forefathers, from the fathers. Isaac learned the same deception and lie from Abraham. He did said he lied and did this and deceived in the same way as Abraham, right? Jacob was a usurper. Also worked with deception to get the birthright, which would have been his in the anyway. Learn from Isaac. Many of Jacob's children learned from a deceptive father. Lied about what happened to Joseph. You see, generation after generation, the children, your children, your grandchildren will become like you. So, you say you want to bring up godly seed? Make sure that when your children look at you, they see you as someone who is truly truthful. I say this again and I move on. Without truly truthful young people, adults, this next generation of BPCWA is gone because there's no one that God will use. You say you love God's kingdom, then be such a one that God will use. So now we ask ourselves, now, what are the characteristics? I hope in your heart now say, Lord, I want to be a truly truthful person. I do not want to fail you, disappoint you, grieve you. What are the characteristics of a, someone who is, well, let's begin with not truly truthful. Next week we will learn, God willing, how to be truly truthful. Now here we look at David's life, all right? Here we look at David's life. Now, um, the reason why we look at David's life was because the theme was taken from this particular verse in Psalm 50. One, all right, I'll read to you, Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David, when he confessed to God for the sins he committed in what we read in 2 Samuel, now he prayed this prayer, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. But let us see why David prayed that. David came to acknowledge, I did not have truth in my inward part. And in the hidden parts, I was not truthful. He acknowledged that all these actions that we read in chapter 11 now was him being untruthful, deceptive. Right? So that is why we learn this. We refer to chapter 11. Now here, let us pick up the characteristics of someone who is not truly truthful. All right? Someone who is, we shall say, false. Someone who is false. Someone who is false. 
Now, first and foremost, we use F-A-L-S-E to help us remember, all right? Lord, I do not want to be false. And I don't think I can go into it in detail because with only five more minutes, I'll do this next week. But I want to introduce you to some of the concepts, all right, that we can draw from here. First and foremost, well, F-A-L-S-E, false. F, someone who is fake. 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 Now look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. Look at verse 6. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Verse 7. And when Uriah was come unto him, ha, look what David said. David demanded of him how Joab did how the people did, how the war prospered. And David said unto Uriah, Go down to the house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of thy king's house, and there, there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Now here, we know the intention of David. He was not sincere. He was being a fake. Everything that he did, he pretended to be a caring king. Look at verse 7. Or demanded means press, press very hard. Like if, hey, this is what I'm very interested in. So I press so hard in asking, it's like his deep interest. How, do, how is Joab, my general? Not only that, oh, my people, the people, how are they, how are they? And then not only that, how the war process is, are, are we all right? It was such a fake. He had already the intention to make sure that he get Uriah, to go home, sleep with Bathsheba, and then this baby that, that is in Bathsheba's um, womb will be, well, deceptively thought of as Uriah's. That was, that was what he was trying to do. Why did he call Uriah back? To find out? No, he was a fake. Pretended to be caring. Look at verse 8. Well, go to thy house. Wow, so nice. Go rest. No, he wanted him to make sure he would sleep with Uriah. Uh, with, with the wife, that's all. Make sure you wash yourself. Clean up. And not only that, there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Mess is not a whole big mess of things. Huh? It's a huge amount, right? A gift, right? So, and the gift is from the king. Wow, so kind. The king preparing a huge amount of food for you. Such a caring king. Now, Christians, don't be a fake. You see, one of the things that I hope that we realize before next week is this. Do not think for a moment. Being untruthful is when you lie with your lips. Being untruthful is not just about telling lies or half lies or bending the truth. Being untruthful is far more than that. Before you even tell that lie, something in you is the problem. You are a fake. That is what it is. So I don't want us to think for a moment, oh, uh, being truly truthful, you just, uh, just make sure I don't tell lies. No, your motives, your agendas, who you really are. Are you a fake? Are you a fake? Now, from the memory verse, we learned, all right? Just now we read. Let's turn to Psalm 51, right? Psalm 51. Psalm 
Look at verse 6. Now, David, when he turned in repentance to God, he said, Behold, thou desirest truth. Is it just truth? All right, I don't tell lies. But it, David understood. In the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. In the inward parts. What is the inward parts? It means the deep recesses of a person, the deep recesses of your heart. So it's not just deep inside you, it's all in the recesses. That word chosen is so, is so hidden, right? It's so deep and it's hidden in different places, all the recesses. Hidden recesses. You look here, you look carefully, fake. You look at another part of the life, look carefully, look deeply, fake. All these recesses. Hidden. Recesses means it's not easily known, not easily no noticed. That is why when David said, you desire truth, and he said, in the inward parts, he acknowledged all this while when I was doing all those things, all the different parts in me was just plotting and scheming and trying to achieve something. It was, it was all fake. I was not caring. I was not concerned. I was not generous. Although I did all those things, but I was just a fake. And people cannot tell. That's why it's in hidden recesses. You can be a fake. And many people may not know. People may even think, you are very, very holy Christian. Very caring Christian. But are you really? You're a very godly young man. Are you really? God is not interested in just your outward truth, but the hidden recesses. What is hidden part? Thou desires truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, what is hidden part? It talks of deep secrets. Deep secrets. In the recesses, are deep secrets that are that reveals who you really are. You lie first and foremost because of who you are inside. That is what it is. God says you must put on the new man. This is not the heart that I intend for you to continue in, the old heart. Now, young person, I want to ask you this today. Your friends in church, in your school. They may say, oh, you're from a BP church. Oh, the people that are very serious about the oh, holy, holy people, right? Very conservative. Do you feel good? Or do you really, if you really face yourself and say, I'm actually a fake. A fake before my parents. They do not know inside me what kind of Christian I am, what kind of a person I am, I'm a fake. I hope that you are not a fake Christian to start with. Don't pretend to your parents and keep going to church, but you are not saved. Make sure you are genuinely saved. You can't, you can't be truly truthful in the first place if you're not saved. If you are like that, and you know all this while I'm just pretending, I'm just going because I, I must go. Turn to God honestly. Say, Lord, from the in the hidden, in the hidden recesses of mine, and the deep secret is that I am not saved. And I do not want to be saved yet because I love my sins too much. Maybe later, God. Don't be a fake 
even if you're a real Christian, you're, you're truly born-again Christian, don't be a fake. David's fakeness, in a very short span of time, which we'll see next week, in a very short span of time from verses 6 to verses um, 13, in a short span of time, he did one thing after another that was so wicked. So wicked, we'll see next week. Being fake is very dangerous. And David prayed, in the hidden recesses, in the deep secret inside me. Adults likewise. Now you can become, be be hypocritical and, and, and all that, and you think, well, no one knows, well, all is fine. No, you will become a very, very terrible person. Just a matter of time, young person. It's just a matter of time. For David, God used his very short span to show what fakeness, what fakeness can bring up in us, even as a safe person. A man after God's own heart do all this and even do this to try and cover up when it is not when it's not achieved, as long as he stayed in that fake mode, he would then plot to have Uriah killed. How is it possible, a man after God's own heart? Because he acknowledged, you desire truth in the inward part, in the hidden, in the hidden, in the inward part, in the hidden parts. I, at those moments, just let myself be fake. And that is what happened. It just moved on so fast. Don't take this sin lightly. Why do you think God, when the church was inaugurated, God sent such a strong, strong signal to the church? Untruthfulness begins from the hidden recesses and secret that is deep in you. They were fakes, Ananias and Sapphira. And God said, don't be a fake. Because this will lead you. One day, when you come out to work, young person, One day, uh, adults at your place of work or when you grow old or elderly, one day, you are going to do something because you don't deal with fakeness. You don't face yourself genuinely. You are going to do something with consequences you may have to live for the rest of your life. When it is a clean slate, when it is a clean slate, deal with fakeness. Those of us, we may have fallen. We'll learn next week what to do. It's not the end. But don't reach that stage. So Christian, I pray that each one of us learn to be genuine people. If we are not, face it. Face it. You come to church. Haven't finished, all right? Don't stop begging. <laughs> you come to church. You come to church. So are you fake or not? Just listening, listening. All right, seems to be a signal. Right? Are you doodling or are you, are you really copying notes? All right, now on a serious note. All around you, people may look up to you. People might think that you're truly a great Christian. No one knows. Even your closest friend in church. Even your spouse even your parent, your closest bosom friend, no one can know because it's hidden recesses 
and deep secrets. No one may know, but please know this. Your sin will find you out. All right, now we rise to sing the closing hymn. Now, the closing hymn, I know many of you say, hey, this is a children's song. Now, it's a theme song that we use, hymn 561, a theme song that we use, and I think it is a very good adult song, all right? We should have this in our repertoire of uh, hymns that we memorize. Hymn 561, shall we rise? All right, 561, shall we rise? 561, uh, sing with understanding. 561.